Welcome to Home of the Brave. I'm Scott Carrier. Today I'm going to play a story from the archive, way back to 1984, a story about the anti-war protesters and homeless people who were occupying Lafayette Park across the street from the White House. I was somewhat homeless myself at the time, just starting to produce radio stories, and my method was to drive around the country collecting interviews and then go to NPR in Washington to produce the stories using their studios and equipment, and also getting help from the producers there, like Art Silverman. When I wasn't working on stories, I'd walk around the city. Lafayette Park was close and interesting because of the protesters, and also because it was a safe zone for people who'd been let out or pushed out of St. Elizabeth's, the psychiatric hospital, due to cutbacks and social funding, and also there was the theory that they'd be better off in the real world. Unfortunately, many of them had no place to live. A lot of people back then had no place to live. It was the beginning of the epidemic of homelessness that continues to this day. Ronald Reagan was in the White House, so I called the story Reagan's Neighbors. Okay, the place I like to go here is, is Lafayette Square. It's a park, and it's right across the street from the White House. It's a square city block, and it's got grass and benches, trees, just like any city park. But this, one, this one's better because of the people who hang out there. There are usually a lot of people there, business people, tourists. And you can tell, tell those people by the way they move. You can watch and you, and business people walk straight. They walk in straight lines and they go straight through the park. And tourists kind of turn around. They kind of spin around in circles. Uh, police ride motorcycles. And there are a lot of police down here. But the people that are the interesting people are the people who live down here. Street people and protesters. Sometimes I think they're all crazy. And other times, I think they're all perfectly sane. It's hard because I respect these guys. They live out here. They really do stay out here all the time, day and night. They stay out here if it snows. They stay out here no matter what. And a couple of them have been here for four years now. So it's like they really do believe in their protest or else they just realize that they don't have anywhere else to go. And they're asking for help at Ronald Reagan's front doorstep. But uh, that's kind of weird because I, I just don't think Reagan's that kind of a neighbor. And uh, it's down in the history book. You don't have to go far to learn. You hear that? You hear it? They've, they've got a PA system set up over there, right over there by, by the statue of Andrew Jackson on his horse. Let's, let's go sit down right over here on this bench. And we call upon God right here now, God in heaven. Bring your wrath down upon these evildoers. Bring your wrath down upon these people that are causing these evil conditions to exist and prevail. You see, most of these people down here are upset about something. And spies who are 
The two big topics are homelessness and anti-nuclear issues. Um, but that's not always the case. The guy talking now, Joe, he's homeless, and he's old, and he's hunchback, and he says he can't work. I've seen him out on the street begging for money, wearing about 35 coats just, just to keep warm. He looks kind of, well, he looks pretty miserable. But that's not always the case. Like that guy over there, that young guy over there, he's a bum. And he's glad he's a bum, he likes it. What, what he's pissed off about is why everybody else is working. Yeah, become a bum. I, uh, basically, that's what I am in society's eyes. They ride by here all hours of the day and night screaming, go get a job, you bum. And it isn't all as bad as it seems. I mean, I do fairly well as a bum. Last, summer, last fall, I was sitting around panhandling here in Washington, and I was, uh, I was making enough money that I was uh, taking vacations to Florida and uh, flying around the country. I uh, spent the winter up in Vermont due to, due to a lawsuit. I fell down the stairs and hurt my back. And uh, it just seems to me that the poor people have suffered long enough. I'm sure Rockefeller could give up some money. So it's kind of hard to tell just by looking what people's problems are. Um, but it's all right. You can go up and talk to them. They don't mind at all. In fact, they kind of like it because most of the time the reaction is for people just to kind of turn their head and walk by. Like um, like this one guy, Cass, that guy right over there, the guy with the with the sign with the strange symbols on it. He uh, when he was three years old, he invented the unified field theory, but no one would listen to him. And the other relative to geometric type symbols. Back when in 1952, I went ahead and developed my NASA system. he thinks he thinks that. Uh, if someone would have given him the money when he was three years old, he could have built a computer that would have solved all the world's problems. And then he would have uh, built a spaceship and done what he really wants to do, which is uh, blast off and search for the edge of the universe. But it's too late now. The world is ending soon. The world is ending soon in a variety of ways down here. So, revolt, rebel, give up. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Love your neighbor as yourself. Stop being afraid of each other. That's Ellen. Stop fighting Ellen Benjamin talking now. She used to be a young urban professional, successful too. From what she says, she had a job making $25,000 a year in some government office. And she bagged it. She bagged it all when she fell in love with Thomas. Thomas is the main anti-nuke protester down here. He's, he's over there somewhere. We can go talk to him in a minute. But Ellen fell in love with him last spring, and they got married right here in the park. 
I saw it. I saw the ceremony, and it was it was pretty strange. It, it was raining, and I got depressed. <laughs> I went home. But she's still here, and she's still doing what she what she believes in, which is uh, like Thomas. She's against nuclear nuclear weapons and. She also wants freedom and justice for everybody in the world. And we must, each individual person in the world, join hands with each other and say, we are tired of being mistreated in such a heinous way. Another woman who's associated or sort of associated with Thomas is Connie. She has been here for four years or maybe more than four years which is about how long Thomas has been here but she says they're shooting radiation at her from the White House, one of the White House windows. She, her hair fell out, her skin fell off. She's got pictures, I, I've seen the pictures and she was in bad shape. But she's a nice lady. I, I like talking to her. She's from Spain or maybe Argentina, and sometimes she's a little hard to understand. Let not them that are my enemies wrathfully rejoice over me. Neither let them wink with the eye that hate me without a cause. Let them be ashamed and brought confusion together that rejoice at my hurt. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor that magnify themselves against me. They that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. We have many enemies. But then machines have nuclear laser scanners because they can see your mental thoughts without you knowing it. Right now, your mental thoughts is being projected on a nuclear laser screen right in Coastal. Tony, that's Tony. He feeds the squirrels and birds. He was in the Second World War and spent a couple of weeks in a lifeboat off the coast of India when a German sub sank the, uh, the ship he was on. He's a good guy, but he has some trouble placing blame for a lot of bad things that have happened to him. The Germans spies and Nazi bastards since the Nazi regime, and, and there's a lot of people right from the Holocaust the, the, from the death camps and all that were, they're infiltrated in our government. That's how much power they got. The administration don't control this government. They, they can't, ain't no, nobody, no president's gonna do any good that goes in there until they stop these goddamn crazy nuclear machines. If you got time, and uh, you got time, you wanna stop up my apartment this evening or something like, after I leave the park, I, I, I flew around with the squirrels and birds. See, I feed them every morning, and then I come around in the afternoon for water for them, and, uh, and I fool around feeding them. And I, I go back about 4 5 o'clock. If you want to stop up there, and you'll see something. You'll see the signs, and you'll see pictures of my face, what they could do, distort my face and all. I've seen a lot of things happen down here. Fights, protests, a lot of protests, anything. There used to be a guy sit right over there on that bench and sing the Bible, and another guy I know he'd come down here and scream and hassle people. Sirens go by, helicopters go by, limousines with shaded windows. I've, I've seen limousines with orangutans and kings drive by out there. 
Sometimes they arrest Thomas and put him in jail. See, he's the guy that builds those signs, those big signs over there. The one that says, God is absolute. And the other one says, live by the bomb, die by the bomb. He calls them signs, the cops call them structures, and you're not allowed to have structures in Lafayette Park. I call them signs that are made out of plywood and two by fours and are about 10 feet high and 12 feet long. He builds them because he knows he's pressing the law and he wants to get thrown in jail because then he gets to go to court and argue about the definitions of the words camping and structures. That's what he likes to do. I think it sounds like a nightmare. But he does have some good things to say. There is one universal law, and that is what goes around comes around. What you reap is what you'll sow. As you do unto others, it will be done unto you. And this, this is what I'm saying here. I try to say it to people in, in many different ways. I'm using the example of, or I'm using the, the timely issue of nuclear weapons. I've got the sign over there um, that is repeatedly confiscated by the police. I just painted up a new one today, live by the bomb, die by the bomb, which is, of course, just an old para, uh, paraphrase of Isaiah's old uh, adage about living by the sword and dying by the sword. It's, it's nothing new, but it's true. If you take up a sword, then you perish by a sword. Thomas was a friend of Norman Mayer. Remember the guy that uh, threatened to blow up the Washington Monument a couple years ago and got shot? Well, Thomas told me that Norman really was going to blow it up. He wanted to blow it up, but Thomas talked him out of it and talked him into just pretending to blow it up because that way he could make the point that if you go around, or if anybody goes around, threatening to blow somebody up or something up, the chances are that you're going to get blown up first. And that's what happened. And so if people want to really treat other people like they want to be treated themselves, I mean, if that's what, they're, if that's what they believe they should do, then um, I think they should start doing it and stop letting their jobs get in the way. It seems clear to me that people have a choice. They can either learn to start doing that, which will provide them with a much more pleasant, fulfilling, and desirable lifestyle, or they can go up in a nuclear inferno. It's the, that's the only choice they have. It's, what's going to happen. He's right. He is right. But who cares? Who cares that much? I don't. I don't. This place gets pretty depressing after a while. Let's go.
You've been listening to Reagan's Neighbors on Home of the Brave. The story originally aired on All Things Considered in 1984. I'd like to thank Art Silverman, who edited and helped me record this story. I'd also like to thank Barrett Golding for buying me some new headphones and telling me it was time to replay this story. Also, Sarah Val's new book, Lafayette in the Somewhat United States, is about the guy the park is named after, Gilbert Dumontier, Marquis de Lafayette. He fought alongside George Washington in the American Revolution. Sarah Val is one of our best writers and sharpest social commentators. You might know her from her classic stories on This American Life. Check out our website, homebrave.com, for photos of some of the people in this story, like Thomas, William Thomas, who continued to protest in the park until his death in 2009, and Connie, Concepcion Picciotto, who kept up the protest until her death last January. It was the longest continuous anti-war protest in U.S. history. I'm going to be speaking this week on Wednesday, June 29th, at the Tape Festival in Brooklyn. It's going to be a live, unrecorded radio show featuring about 10 podcasters and storytellers with a dance party afterwards. If you're in the area, you should come by. There's a link to the event on our website, homebrave.com. Thanks to everyone who's donated to keep this show on the air. I really very much appreciate it. I don't do advertising, so I depend upon your support. If you'd like to sign up by donating $1 to $4 a month by way of PayPal, there's a subscribe button in the menu bar on the website, homebrave.com. And then we also have Home of the Brave t-shirts, tote bags, and badges for sale. My business plan is to get a lot of people to kick in a small amount of money on a regular basis. And so far we're about halfway to where I'd like to be, the point where I can pay the bills. But I think we'll get there. Thanks for listening, and maybe I'll see you in Brooklyn.